Greetings and welcome to Converging Streams, Interfaith Fellowship in Our Modern World. Our program is a production of the Muncie Interfaith Fellowship and the Unitarian Universalist Church of Muncie. This week's lesson is entitled Interfaith Tolerance as Expressed in the Garden of Ruth, Part 2 of 2. Last week, Dr. George Wolfe spoke with Eva Etione Halevi about her work, The Garden of Ruth, and its message on interfaith tolerance for the United States and the world today. This week, we will resume that conversation to learn more insight about how The Garden of Ruth exemplifies interfaith dialogue, interfaith tolerance, and has a lesson for all of us in the 21st century in the United States and the world at large. We tend to impose our own modern-day understandings uh, onto... um ancient times, and that doesn't really, those, those uh, assumptions aren't necessarily true. <laughs> exactly, precisely. So what I was trying to achieve in the, in the novel is a combination of, uh, uh, of entertainment, of something that people would want to read, to make it easy and flowing and, and enjoyable, with those sort of messages which, uh, you know, would not hit people with a hammer on the head, but which they would find sort of underneath the undercurrents of the book, a novel, which is interesting and also important, I think. Yeah, you, you mentioned something earlier that uh, uh, you, you may not have an outer conversion ritual, but there can be a, a, a conversion or acceptance within one's heart. Well, this is the way it uh, seems to be in the Bible, because for women... In particular, the Bible doesn't set out any conversion ritual at all. Uh, so what happened with Ruth was that she converted uh, in her heart. She never underwent any ritual at all. And um, I think that some uh, faiths today would be a lot more rigid and, and close uh, than the Bible was in this respect. Yeah, I think you're right. Mm-hmm. Now, um when you talk about mystery, I think that was fascinating. We said, can, can there be a mystery in the Bible? <laughs> there seems to be two definitions of mystery. You know, one is the usual literary definition where, where we're, trying, you know, we're trying to find out uh, who is at the bottom of a certain act or whatever. Yeah. And then there's the other mystery, which is uh, the mystery, the spiritual mystery, the mystery which uh, something which cannot be comprehended by the intellect but has to be understood only deep within on the level of the heart or the level of the spirit. Um, uh, I think the book, uh, The Garden of Fruit, the novel is both of them. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you, um, could you could you perhaps show, uh, explain a little bit how, without giving away <laughs> the, uh, uh, the end, can you explain a little bit of how it treats the mystery in both those senses? Uh, the mystery uh, is in the first of all in the biblical story itself. It's a very interesting story, uh, and then I developed it further. The the mystery is uh, <clears throat> that uh, Ruth accompanies her mother-in-law to the land of Israel, and by ancient law and custom, um, she couldn't inherit uh, any property. The widows didn't inherit. And uh, they were very destitute, the two women, and uh, salvation had to come from a man who was a close relative, and he was uh, supposed to marry uh, Ruth, and then he would inherit uh, her family's property. 
and he refused to marry her. And furthermore, his name is not mentioned. Although he was such a central character in the story, he is referred to in the Hebrew original of the Bible as the Mr. Anonymous, the man who has no name or something like that, the unnamed. And so the mystery is really why. Why did the Bible uh, see fit to conceal his name? Uh, could it be that he had done something so awful, so terrible, that uh, his name had to be hidden? And secondly, why why did he refuse to marry Ruth? He could have enriched himself ah. when he was told that... Um, uh, he could inherit his property from his next of kin, from the deceased husband of Ruth. He was perfectly willing to accept the property. But then when he found out that there was a string attached to it, he said, no, thank you. And he didn't, uh, he, he declined. Uh, so here's another part of the mystery. Why Why did he refuse? Could it be that he had already married, uh, sorry, that he already met Ruth and that uh, Things had gone wrong between them. You know, this is the, the mystery that's in the Bible. And in my novel, I try to unravel that mystery in my own way, but still faithful to the spirit of the Bible. I send in a, a female detective, a biblical, I like to call her biblical Miss Marple, uh, like the Agatha Christie uh, detective, um, female detective, and she, but she's a young woman, and she's um, a very pretty woman and, and headstrong, and she wants to discover what actually happened between Ruth and this secret lover before she met uh, the man she was eventually to marry, the, this uh, Boaz. So this is what the story is about. It's, um, it's a mystery novel and also a family saga that spans over, over three generations, uh, it deciphers the root mystery, and at the same time, also uh, this young uh, detective unravels her own life. She she visits uh, the family of David uh, when he's still a young man, and she is attracted to two brothers, David and his elder brother Eliab, and she's torn between them, and she. While she unravels the mystery of Ruth, she also unravels her her own life. Uh, so you get actually uh, two two famous persons uh, in in the same story, three generations apart, two celebrities rather than one, which I think is is very interesting how those two stories are interlaced. The story of David and his great grandmother Ruth. Mm-hmm. That's uh, it's very intriguing how you have the parallelisms between the two women, two women's lives there. Yes, yes, there are some par- parallels between the two stories, and uh, there are also some differences, but uh, both of them uh, are, are torn between two two men and eventually find their way. Now, you say that, um, that the friendship between the women empowers them. Yes, I think that's another very important message which we find in the in the Book of Ruth, in the biblical Book of Ruth, and even more so, in my novel, The Garden of Ruth, that the, the women at that time, their position was weak. Uh, all the laws were against them, were skewed against them. Uh, but they had some inner strengths, and with their feminine strengths, they managed to, to accomplish what they wanted. 
uh, Ruth uh, took her fate in her own hands, left her family, left her country uh, to go to another uh, different uh, religion, different culture. And she was empowered. She was able to do that through the friendship that she developed with her mother-in-law, Nomi. The, the, the women's friendship is such an important part of the story, how they supported each other, how they were sensitive to each other's uh, uh, needs and, and, and um, feelings and so forth. So I think this idea of the sisterhood of women is important at that time and still important out, today. You're bringing out something else, too, here. Uh, that's important in that when we look back into ancient times, you know, we tend to think of um, of these the ancient cultures sort of existing in isolation. We we tend to think that the Greeks had never uh, never left their peninsula, and that the ancient Israelites uh, stayed in the same place, and the Persians were in the same place, and so forth. And, the, and but in reality, there was a lot of cross cross cultural interaction between uh, all these uh, ancient peoples. Oh, absolutely, there's no question about it. There were, in fact, in the land of, of Israel, there were other peoples as well. There were Canaanites, there were Philistines, and uh, and across the across the Jordan River, there was uh, the land of Moab and some other uh, lands as well. And they all had to, in some way, learn to get along with each other. There were many, many wars, uh, but. Some at times there was also accommodation and there was a peaceful relationship so uh, as well. So the, I think that's another important lesson to learn from the Bible that uh, there were many people and they all had uh, a variety of, of uh, ties and relations. Some not so good, some good. And when they and when there was peace, the, the land flourished. Mm-hmm. Well, that's very, very good. We uh, really appreciate your being with us here, and it sounds like a fascinating uh, a novel, uh, and we, we hope that everybody will take note and and uh, look for it in, in the bookstores and be able to acquire it. It sounds like a, a good novel to have discussion groups around. That, uh, that, yes, uh, exactly, and that's what I'm doing. I'm on a book tour, and lots of groups are sort of... Uh, uh, discussing the book on their own or, or with my assistance, and we discuss it together. Several people have been excited about the book, um, but they're coming from many different traditions, like a, a, someone from the, a Roman Catholic tradition came excited about the novel and said that it strengthens her own faith. Uh, a woman who's Afro-American was very appreciative about of the message of the novel and uh, and so forth. It sounds like both Christian and Jewish uh, groups could get together and uh, have very meaningful discussion and dialogue using your book as a um, as an inspiration. I certainly hope so. It's it's a book for many fa- people of many faiths of uh, encouraging dialogue between them and if they do come together this that's wonderful. In fact, in some of the talks that I gave there were Jewish people, there were also Christian people who came and um, I was so happy to, to see that they liked the book, that they read the book, they liked it, and they found some, so much to strengthen their own faith, to strengthen their ability to communicate with others. So uh, I think that's, that's good. This is definitely something we need more of in, in this country and in this time in history. And we really appreciate your writing this book. Uh, Thank you. It was a pleasure writing it, and it's a pleasure talking about it. We've been speaking to Eva Ivestioni-Halevi, 
and she has uh, written a book entitled The Garden of Ruth, uh, which is attracting quite a bit of attention and has a great deal of uh, promise with respect to bringing uh, people uh, from the Jewish and Christian traditions together uh, to discuss uh, important themes in the uh, Bible that are often overlooked. And we really appreciate your, your being here. Uh, thank you, and, and the best of luck to you. I hope uh, I hope you, I wish you continued success on, on your tour, and I hope you'll write many more books. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me on your show, and thank you for your good wishes, and all the best to you. This is George Wolf for Converging Free. for listening to Converging Streams, Interfaith Fellowship in Our Modern World. Our program is a production of the Muncie Interfaith Fellowship with content and financial support from the Unitarian Universalist Church of Muncie and technical support from radio stations WCRD and Work FM. Most importantly, we thank you, our listeners and followers, for your support. To connect with Converging Streams, including listening to our entire catalog of past programs, getting our latest new content, and making your own contribution to this program, visit our website, convergingstreams.org. Converging Streams is produced by Tony Piazza, George Wolf, and Thomas Perchlick. Thank you for listening, and have a pleasant week. <laughs>